I was going to say good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche School Podcast. Today's a special one. Today's a different one. Um, I know you guys. Um, um, I know you guys said to me that you were cool with me talking by myself last week. Um, I obviously must have given the impression that. Uh, that Fridays are never going to happen anymore. That I gave you guys the impression that it's all over. That I'm <laughs> that I'm <laughs> that I'm hanging up my hat, so to speak. Um, I haven't really listened to the podcast, but I'm sorry if I gave that impression. I'm not giving up Fridays. Uh, maybe I was just having a bad day. But Fridays are continuing. Uh, it's the normal format. But I thought today we might have, you know, every. It might not be every Friday, but <clears throat> we're going to have a, a guest host, a guest host to fill in for Steve. And today I have to say. Uh, my friend from the UK, um, Ajmal is here, flat cap driver. Hi, Ajmal. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I've been excited about this for a few days now. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad you could do it. I'm glad you could do it because I know you have busy days as well. We're just talking about our COVID, our COVID frustration and routines. Ajmal and I talk quite a lot on DM and I, I uh, and WhatsApp. And then I said to him the other day, "Does he want to come on this episode?" We've kind of—I'll be really honest with you guys—we've kind of come on here. We're not really prepared. We're semi-prepared. Um, but you know, we can easily talk about Porsche. We don't have any problems about that. So for those of you who have been, haven't been here before, I should just say, my name is Michael Bath. Um, if you haven't heard of Ajmal before, Ajmal is flat cap driver and he's on Instagram. He's on YouTube. He does really, really great videos, long videos that you can sit, you can listen to in the car while while you're driving, you can listen to them at home. So check his uh, uh, YouTube channel out and check out his Instagram and give him a follow. Um, I see your numbers are getting up there, Ajmal. You're getting uh, you're getting quite a follow, a bit of a following over there. Um, well, they they're increasing ever so slowly. I'm getting more engagement from people. I guess the the views probably aren't going that much higher, but I'm getting great engagement. People send me such great messages, and I really love that DMs on Instagram or messages on YouTube. So, uh, and and that's that's the satisfaction, I guess. How are you finding the content monster? I call it the content monster, the one you have to keep feeding. If you don't keep feeding it, <laughs> you know, it just it just dies. It's like my YouTube channel, because I only put the podcast on YouTube now and I don't really do videos at the moment. I will start to do them again, but I don't really do videos at the moment, as you know. Um, you know, I see how my stats, you know, when you see your stats on YouTube, my views are like, you know, they've, they've dropped a lot. They've dropped a lot, but... Um, the Instagram, uh, the Instagram algorithm eventually catches up on you for people that don't know. You really do have to keep out putting, uh, videos all the time. Same as Instagram, actually, you've got to keep putting photos all the time. Um, this is yeah. how these things work. They take a lot of time to get, to get 15,000, to get 15,000 followers actually on Instagram for my Porsche cooled is, is liking a lot of Porsche posts, posting a lot of posts, commenting on a lot of posts. It takes a long time to get there. Um, you can do it organically. A lot of people don't, but it's it's a monster. It really is a monster. Well, I did um, I did do the um, look at look at Instagram and thought, how can I grow that? But then, um, much like anything, I got a bit lazy and I got a bit bored feeding the the monster. Uh, but with uh, YouTube, um, I'm, I'm not very active on there, so I literally do uh, probably. A video if if it's frequent probably one every two weeks and right. but i always do it in a way that I've, I've got to have something to say and it's only a couple of times that i've jumped on i was just talking about yeah feeding the monster and and sometimes it's really hard to tag the video or to give it a title that's quite punchy because you think i've talked about 50 different things in 20 minutes um yeah, yeah. and then it's it, it, and it's the time as well because when you think I don't actually go anywhere uh, in the car. So for for a household that has four cars and you don't need to go anywhere, when you do go anywhere, you think, oh, when was the last time I drove that car? Is is the battery still going to be okay? Is it going to fire up? Uh, it, 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 it Then it becomes this big thing. But the funny thing with you is when you go out and you say you're going out for milk, see, that's become like a bit of a thing, you know? Everyone has their thing on YouTube, and that's kind of like your thing. It's like Ajmal always says, I'm going out for milk. You know, I'm going to pick up milk. And you're driving for like, you know, 40 minutes to get milk. Like, where in the hell is your shop? You know what I mean? So I think that's quite, I think that's quite entertaining for a lot of people. Um, anyway. Well, I, I mean, the, 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 milk, the milk thing, the first time I was actually going for milk, and I just missed the turning. And right. it's a big country lane, and I just thought, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> 
All right. Before we get started, before we get into it, I just want to uh, I want to give uh, well wishes, congratulations out to Steve, uh, his wife, and him, Cindy, his wife, and Steve. Yes. Uh, welcome their baby girl into the world uh, a couple of days ago. So congratulations. I'm sure everyone is saying the same thing. Uh, and uh, that was a good thing. So Steve's uh, very, very happy. He's got another little uh, girl. So he's got two little girls now. So congratulations, mate. Uh, and I hope everything is going well. Um, as I was just talking to Ajmal, I was uh, had to go and take my wife to, um, we're getting vaccinated here in Bahrain. They've got a vaccination program. I don't know how who's, who's for vaccination or against vaccination. I was against vaccination, but I was talked into it, so I've done it. <laughs> Only because, you know, we're planning to travel back to Sydney and all that sort of thing, and <clears throat> we have a funny feeling that Australia is going to make it easier for you to go back to Australia if you are vaccinated and you may not have to do hotel quarantine. But anyway, I took my wife out there today. She got the call last night. You get the call the night before here in Bahrain, and you go to the hospital. I'm driving out to the hospital, Ajmal, to King Hamad University Hospital here in the Merck. I get a warning buzzer on the dash, a triangle, Ooh. and then there's no power. <laughs> there's no power. It's like Yikes. I'm about to come onto the freeways here, and, <laughs> and you know the freeways here are 100, 100 odd, 120 kilometers, so cars are moving fast, and I had no power, of course. So then I'm thinking, okay, we're not going to make it to the hospital. We're going to break down on this busy road. Uh, we get to the hospital. I drop my wife off, um, and then I go and park in the car park. And, of course, I think, oh, I'll just try and start the car after two minutes of sitting there. No, nothing. Nothing at all. So yeah. it's completely dead. So then I had to call the guy from the office and he came and he couldn't get it started. He couldn't jumpstart it. I didn't think he could jumpstart an old Merc anyway, but he tried. He tried to jumpstart it with the Audi, the old Audi. So that was a, that was a funny, I should have taken a photo of it. That was a funny uh, occasion. Um, so it didn't start. So, but I was thinking, and I'm getting to a point here. I was thinking, and this makes me think about classic cars. You know what I mean, Ajmal? It makes me think about when you have a classic car and I have never owned a classic car. And when you're driving a classic car, is that the thought in the back of your mind that you think, you know, because I like it when my 911 has just been serviced and everything's perfect. I hate it when things aren't fixed. You know what I mean? And with your 912, yeah. when you're driving, do you always have that thought in your head? Hey, I'm, I'm going to break down in the middle of nowhere here. Um, you, you do sometimes. It's, it depends because obviously the longer you have a car, the more you drive it, the more you get to know it, the more confidence you have in it or, or the less confidence as you get to know it more. Um, but the, the thing with my 912 is I don't know it very well. Uh, you know, you've seen the videos. Virtually all of my drives are there on my YouTube channel. There's probably about five or six of them. And Sunday I drove it was the longest drive I've ever been. And that was 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Um, and during that drive, and I remember having that exact thought, you know, what if I broke down? But then I thought, no, I guess that's part of the package of owning a classic car. So right. I, I, you know, I put my foot down, I redlined it just to see if it could. Um, and it made it home. But at the same time, it could equally have, have just died. And it's the same with my 996. It could equally do that when I'm thrashing it through the gears. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know for me, you know, like, like I said, I like reliability. I like the look of classic cars and I want a 912 and, you know, I, I think about it, but I do think about that fact that, you know, if you're on, if you're, you know, because I remember years ago when I had cars and they were crappy cars, you know, when I was in high school and, you know, they used to break down, you know, and you'd just be stranded somewhere in the middle of the night. You'd be going, go to a party, you come back and you'd be stranded somewhere and it's just like, what's going on? So I kind of remember those days and I don't really want to go back to that, that sort of situation, because especially when you're not very mechanical and you can't just, I'll go, I'll open the, the engine and I'll, you know, tweak the carburetor or I'll do whatever I have to do to get it started again. I don't know how to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree completely because there's, I, I love the convenience. I love reliability, uh, but there's um, a certain, so normally if you have a classic car, you can have a completely um, gone through nut and bolt restoration. It drives perfectly. There's still a chance that something might go wrong, but it's less likely. Mm. Whereas with mine, I do carry a couple of things that I just think that I might need. Now, okay. number one, obviously, is my is my breakdown service card. Don't yep. go anywhere without that. Yes. Um, yes. And and I, I, I've got I'm a member of a breakdown service that doesn't care which car you're in. Oh, okay. As that's long good. as you, so it covers you and not the car. Oh, that's good. Um, so that that's really important. But I also carry, uh, and you might have seen it on. I put it on Instagram. It's um, a power bank. So it, oh yes, the kind yes, of thing yes. that you plug plug your yeah, phone into. Yeah. Uh, but but mine also has jump leads coming out of it. 
Okay, so, so you can so you can just have a little bit of a boost if it ever you left the lights on or something like that happened. Right, right. So I've had to use that twice, um, but otherwise, I think it's one of those things. If you have a classic car, at first you will always have that overriding feeling of is it going to break down? Am I going to be stranded? The, the okay. stress and anxiety of that. But as you have more confidence in it, you'll drive it for two, three, four weeks, and you'll think, no, it's, it's actually pretty reliable, and you forget about it until obviously that inevitable first time that it actually happens. And then you but think, you have oh, your, shit. but you have your little kit in the car with your essentials that you need just in case you know anything does happen in a way. So you have your little breakdown yes. kit in a way, so you're prepared. Good idea. Yeah, for the, idea. for the most common thing. Yeah, for the most common thing that you might think the battery will go flat. Yeah, um, yeah. And and that's about it. Really, you can't really cater for a lot of other things right. uh, because it could be anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, uh, as I say, you know, I keep saying to you, go and test drive one. Yeah, no. Well, when I go back to London, maybe I want to. Um, let's get into that. Let me just let me just cover these two things first, and then we'll get into the the nine twelve, and we'll get into the nine eleven story what we're going to talk about today. Um, I just want to do a shout out. So, if, if anyone hasn't uh, listened to it yet, I know you have an Ajmal. You told me before we started recording, but there's the new Porsche called Owner Stories with Joey. Um, it's another really good one because Joey's got an eighty eight. 911 Carrera, G50, you know, um, I know that uh, Nick from Australia, who's coming up on a future owner stories, he said to me, G50 isn't necessarily the best guest gearbox. There's nothing wrong with the other one. Um, I know a lot of people think the G50 is the pinnacle. Joey's got the G50. I know when I was looking at those cars years ago, I was also looking for the G50, which is the 87 to 89, I think, or just before they were cut out. I think it was 89. Um, Joey's from Vancouver. Uh, He found the car in LA. He picked the car up in LA because he moved to LA um, and now he's back in Canada. But I think when he moved back to Canada, he said he actually drove it from LA to Canada, which was like a nice four day drive. I think he took the long way home as well, which is a great thing to do, Ajmal. So he took the long way back, but it's pretty cool. It's got black and black wheels. Um, I put the link in the, in the podcast actually for everyone, if you haven't seen it, it's a Flickr page and it's Tommy G 500. Uh, and that's the previous owner's um, images of the car who let said Joey could actually use those images. He was He's pretty cool about it. Um, so check out those images on the Flickr page because Joey doesn't have many on his Instagram. And it's a really, uh, you know, it's a really cool uh, Carrera, 88 Carrera. So that's that. Um, I also recorded a couple of other owner stories over the weekend. Um, one with PJ, who's got a 356A. That's coming up in a few weeks. PJ's from uh, the UK. He's a friend of uh, Nick's and a friend of uh, Jack's who's been on the owner's stories before. He's got a really good story. He's got a really nice 356 Ajmal. Have you seen that on Instagram, PJ's, <laughs> PJ's Instagram? I have seen it. I have seen it and it does look amazing. Yeah, he's, it's pretty nice. I reposted a picture on Porsche Cool the other day, the one he had in his garage because it was a really cool shot. Um, but there's an interesting story actually because Todd at Stone City Outlaw uh, in, in near Chicago Todd's also got a 356A and their numbers between their cars, and I hope I'm getting this right, is very close. Um, they're probably even on the production time at the production line in Porsche at the same time. They're very, very close, the numbers, because they're both 356As. Todd's obviously doing a project car, his outlaw project. Um, PJ's driving his car now. So another another great owner story is coming up with that one. Um, I just want to do a couple of shout-outs uh, to the people who have left reviews for Porsche Cooled. Um, the first one, I'm not going to read it out. I'm just going to tell you who it was from. Um, five-star review. Thank you so much. Like I said, the, the reviews on Apple Podcasts are really important um, because they're important because it it makes us come up in the search results and it makes it come makes us be in the charts of Apple Podcasts. And I know you guys have been supporting that. There's been a lot of ratings and a lot of reviews. I can see the numbers change each week. Not all of you write a review, but you always give me a star rating, so that's great. But we had a couple of reviews during the week, uh, one from President Jay in the United States. I'm not sure who that is. That's, that's a great login <laughs> name. President Jay in the United States. And then from... Van City Fly Guy in Canada. So thank you so much for those reviews. I won't read them out because they're, they're not too long, but I won't read them out. But thank you for, for reviewing those. Thank you for reviewing the podcast, I should say. Um, what else? What else? So I want to just talk about, before we get into into the 911 bit, Ajmal, I just want to talk about colors, Porsche colors. And I kind of touched on this last week about how it's really difficult with colors because the color of a car or a Porsche that you order, it's like the crayon chalk, how depending on where you live, it looks completely different in the environment. You know what I mean? And, you know, that shark blue color that they used on the GT3, 
Did you see it? The new shark blue, the launch yes, color? It did, it, yeah. It's a kind of a weird color. I've seen more photos of it during the week when it's not in the studio and it's not a very it's actually not a nice blue. It, it's kind of weird. Is like it, it looked good in the studio, but it doesn't look good in in uh, in the environment in on the street. I think there's um you're right, but also there's there's colors that come out and they seem either, you know, very very subjectively you might look at it and go actually I, I don't like that and it grows on you at a, at a later date but there's also history has taught us if you look back there's colors that have been very popular at the t- of the time and i think in in the mid 90s the 993 came in a like a burgundy red type color yeah that metallic red Carm- color yeah and yeah. i remember a friend of mine um uh had one and at the time, everyone thought that's a great colour to have. If you saw it going down the road, you thought, great. And if you looked at it now and you had the choice between that and a silver one or a red one, not my particular favourite, or a dark blue one or a green yeah. one, yeah. you would always favour those over, over that. And I, and I just wonder if this blue that they've done for the GT3, is it one that's going to grow on people more and more? Or is it one that people will look, at, look back and go, what were Porsche thinking? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a more conservative blue than, say, Miami blue, than the really pale sort of mm. bright blue. It's much more conservative than Miami blue. It's not as nice as the Mexico blue, which I think, what was it, Riviera blue, the one that's got a bit of darkness to it. It's still bright, but it's a bit darker. They're, I think Riviera and Mexi- Riviera blue yeah, and think- Mexico blue are the two best blues, I think, um, for me. Um, I still really like that old Porsche color, which I know that... Uh, Porsche Malone, which is uh, Ingham Collection, he's got a touring in arrow blue. I still think that old Porsche color arrow blue, yep. which you could get as a PTS, I think that's a really beautiful, a really beautiful blue. It's a bit purple, but I still think it's a really beautiful blue. Um, but I, it, it feels more timeless, that one. Yeah, it does. I mean, even the blue of your car, even the blue mm-hmm. of your car is a really nice blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's not, what's the factory name for that color? Mine, mine. I, I, I don't actually know because I'm not sure it's a uh, factory because when I, I went out on Saturday and someone who was cycling past sort of circled back, came back and said, oh, it's a 912, I've got a 912. And the first thing he said was, I've never seen a purple one. And I went, oh, really? but it's blue. <laughs> but it's wow. blue. And he said, oh, it looks a bit purple. And I, and I remember thinking, yeah, it, it's, it's a, I've never seen that. I don't think it's a Porsche colour. That's the problem, isn't it? It depends how you see colours. You, you can see how some people would see it as purple. It depends on how you see colours, though, I guess. Um, I think it's quite yes, a good blue. And it, um, I, I always think I like it and I always think it's blue, but yeah, every now and again someone says, I didn't know they came in purple, and I want to say they don't. They don't, yeah. I've got this real <laughs> thing at the moment for really basic colours. I've gone back to being, you know, well, I own a silver 911, so there you go. But I really <laughs> like, you know, I like Nick's white 912. I really like the black ones. Like I've been looking at the two black ones that Rint, is it? Rint, has it? Is that how you call it? Yes. Yep, that's the one, yep. Yeah, those two black ones at Rint, especially the one, the 65 three-dial, It's I think it's 54,000 mm. pounds. I've been looking at that because it's been up for sale for like six months or something. And then on, yeah. um, on Piston Heads, I don't know whether you've seen it, on Piston Heads during the week, a 912 came for, up for sale in the UK. Um, he's only put one image I asked him if he's going to put more images. He said yes, but I'm st- he still hasn't put more images up. Um, I happened to find it, though, because it was sold at Bonhams in 2016. So I actually found Ooh. the other images of it. It's actually quite a good car. It looks like, well, in 2016, it looked like quite a good car. And he said he's owned it for the last four years, four and a half years. He's done plenty of work on it. He said most of the work was done. It was originally imported from the U.S. And he wants 44,000 pounds for it. Um so obviously, forty-four thousand pounds is a pretty good price. It's a pretty good price. It, it is, and I've seen a few around about that price. But um, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot that haven't sold even at that price, and I still feel they're overpriced. Nine twelves in general. Well, to put it into perspective, um, that car. I mean, like I said, he said it was sold at was it Bonhams, Goodwood, or Bonhams? Bonhams, I think. Anyway. I found the car. It's definitely the car because it's got the same number plate. It sold for thirty-three thousand pounds in twenty sixteen, but in twenty sixteen, wow. and then you know the thirty-three thousand pounds had I think I think they charge you fifteen percent uh, fee on yep. top of that. So, so let's say it's you know thirty-seven thousand pounds, thirty-eight thousand pounds. 
and he's only wanting £44,000 for it. And then on 912 Registry, it was for sale on Samba back in 2012, I think it was, for 25000 US. Wow. So that's that's, yeah, that's the progression of prices, yeah. So it's quite interesting because all, all the information is there. If you look, you know, I'm, I, I like to search these things mm. out and all the information was there. So, I mean, it's not a bad one though. Yeah, and I'm really surprised at some – because it, when you look, so if I bought mine, everybody knows, I, I, I was quite open about it. I bought mine for 30000 uh, 30250 um, And my overriding um, – reason for buying this particular one was because it was nearby um and and that was literally it It was 10 miles up the road that's a good reason though. um uh, it, and, and like i've said again i'm incredibly lazy and i thought i can't be bothered to travel anywhere it was at uh, an online auction classic car auction site um and i didn't go and see it so i just bid on it and thought what's going to happen and i'd won it and then i thought where am i going to get the money from but um but when i got it obviously it needed quite a few things fettling just to get it going and, and jack flat jack he was brilliant he did all of those things and it goes it fires up every day it drives it might not drive perfect but and also i knew what i was getting into because it's not the original color it's not the matching numbers and those kind of things it, it depends because if they become really important to you then you have to look at the top towards the top end but if you then say well actually no i just want to be driving one and uh, I'm not looking for an investment. I just don't want it to go down in price. Then it opens up a bigger market, I think. Yeah. Um, and and it's that's really important, even with 911s and and, and older 912s. Otherwise, yeah. you're you're looking always looking at the top end of it. Well, the black one, I think, is I think 44 is reason. I think that should be closer to 40. That black one, but it is matching numbers. It is a matching numbers car, so I guess that puts a little bit more credibility into it. Um, I don't know. Well, but it's a crazy rates, market. The, Look at the prices in America. The prices on, you know, forget about bring a trailer now. The prices have gone insane on there for 912. Mm. Absolutely insane. Gotcha. The but, hype and, is and just, you know. But is that because, um, you know, I think we, we might have had this conversation before where I think Magnus Walker was talking about uh, one of the most underrated Porsches to have and as a driving car is the 924. Yeah. I don't know if you, was that we might have talked about that and and I, and I remember thinking well he can say that because that's an evolution of his journey as a yep. porsche owner user driver if you're thinking i really really want a porsche you're never going to plump for a 924 given the choice you evolve to that point yeah um and and i think most people will say and and i it's my you know finger in the air at straw poll with a few people that i know if you said what's the number one Porsche that you want to get into, it's going to be it's going to be a 911, it's going to be a GT3, it's going to be some kind of RS, yeah. um, and anything else will be just further down the pecking order. Um, so the 912, I think, has become elevated in that same way, but also where it's been deemed by those people who are 911 aficionados have said, oh, actually, a great car to have is a 912, and enough people have said it to start forcing the price up. Which yeah. is a bit of a pain for everybody who wants to get into Porsche ownership. <laughs> and I guess, you know, last week when I talked solo, I was talking about, you know, 911 for every budget or something like that, I think I called it. I can't remember what I called the podcast. I think it was 911 for every budget, um, you know, and, and how it's getting harder and harder. And I guess that comes on to, you know, the title of today's podcast, which is, you know, So You Want a 911, um, which is what we're calling today's podcast. Um and it kind of follows on, and that's why I thought it'd be good to have that conversation with you because you suggested that that topic um, because it does follow on from how I was talking last week. And, you know, it is kind of important when, when you say, so you want a 911, it's like most people do want a 911. They don't just want a Porsche. They don't want a Boxster. They don't want a 944 or a 924 or 928. Um, and, you know, referring back to Magnus Walker is an interesting one because even he says, you know, when he bought these cars, they were nothing. They cost him nothing. They were so cheap. You know, most of those mm. cars he bought, apart from his latest GT3, 996, and his GT2, he didn't pay very much for his cars. You know, what did he say? At one stage, he had six 930 turbos or five 930 turbos. You know what yeah, I mean? something insane. Something insane. Like, you know, when you think about what they're worth, because he bought them when 
they were worth nothing, you know. They were really worth very little. Um, so it's very hard for someone today, you know, and I keep coming, we keep coming back to this and I keep touching on it in owner's stories and, and you know, chats with Steve and the previous episodes and, and you know, with you. It's like you want a 9-11, but what is it? So would you recommend, and this is why I want to get onto it, would you recommend that someone should start with a classic? Like they want a 9-11, do you think they should get into a classic first or you think that they really should get into something more modern? Um, it's, it's your appetite for, um, like we said before, fettling something, having it in storage. Because if you say, well, actually, I really want to get into uh, 9-11 ownership, but um, I don't want to break the bank. But also, you know, if you don't have children or you have another car, that's your more practical thing every day. And you can then say, well, I drive an SUV, for example, as my daily. I don't need an SUV. Why don't I just sell that? And a modern SUV, you think about, well, actually, well, my, my, my 996 probably isn't um, a realistic price anymore. Yep. But, um, I mean, just, just for the listeners, it, it cost £6,500 two years ago. Um, that's not a, a, no longer a realistic price. But if you went towards the bottom end in the UK of 996 ownership and you said, I want a Carrera, um, just a 996 Carrera, and I want it to be in decent shape, but I don't want it to be mega low mileage or anything like that, you can get one for ten to 12000 or maybe top end towards 15000 a really good one. Yeah, see, the article that I referred to last week, and I can't remember where I read it, actually, but the article, they had it as being 15000 for a 996 Carrera. Now, I'm, I'm not that... sure. They didn't really, they weren't very clear on what they said was the, you know, the level of it. And I have mentioned this before. I know it's, you know, you said it's, I know you'd mentioned to me once before, I think on our Instagram Live, it was somewhere around twelve grand, even though you paid much less than that. You know, this is why it amazes me with Australian prices because Australian prices now are hitting the point where they're almost at 997 prices and they're kind of pushing 997 prices up, but not as much as I thought. Like the gap is a lot smaller. Um, I don't know. Someone mentioned to me once before, is it going to be like, was it Steve or someone else who's on owner stories? Is it going to be like the 964-993 scenario? You know, is the 996 going to become, was the ugly duckling, is it going to take over the 997 for a bit in prices? like the 964 did with the 993? I think there's a possibility, only because there was, there was a big backlash against the 996, wasn't there? Because, you know, for all sorts of reasons, it had the front and center of the Boxster. It was the first completely redesigned uh, 911, and it was water-cooled. Um, but when you think about the, in the, the numbers that it sold in, now, it sold... It outsold the 993 and the 964 combined. Yeah. Um, and so, and it was because it was the first one that you could own and drive every single day. It doesn't matter what weather it is, what time of year it is, and which is why, you know, I was able to benefit from the fact that I could buy one that someone had been using every day. It wasn't some kind of garage, pristine kept car that was top end of the market. But this thing about them getting close to the 997 prices, I think it's a really important point because there was a, a lot. There were a lot of articles um, when I bought, first bought mine that said, "Go and buy the best one you can afford." Um, and that's the problem when you go to the best 996 you can afford, you are starting to overlap at the bottom end of 997. Yeah, and that's when people people make the mistake. They go. Ooh, maybe I should buy a 997 and you've suddenly flipped from going yeah. best 996 to worst 997. Yeah, true, um, true. Yeah, and it's kind of getting like that. I guess, you know, we keep going back to the Carrera 4S, you know, the 996 Carrera 4S, which is about, well, there's there's a good comparison mm. actually. The Carrera 4S, in, and I'll quote Australia because I'm not sure about the UK or US at the moment. Carrera 4S, good ones, are the same price as my car in Australia. My car has just been reinsured for 86,000 Australian dollars uh, which is less than I paid for it they only they actually it actually went down in price but they'd only take it up to that price it's 86,000 insured Australian dollars and a Carrera 4S is somewhere between 80 and 90,000 Australian Australian dollars so but that's um, a 4S which is a top you know what I mean you're talking base Carrera 997 to 4S and you're also talking my car with very low kilometers you know very low miles so Yes, and, and I think the, the, 
the issue that I've always had with, because obviously I want more people to be driving 911s, and I think that, that there's availability out there. Yeah. But what happens is people do start looking at it as an investment. And as soon as you look at it as an investment, you almost force yourself into the top end because you say, well, I want it to have a, an amazing service history. I want it to have low miles. I want yes. it to have a low number of owners. And suddenly the price starts creeping up and then you talk yourself into inactivity because so many more variables come into it. Yeah, yeah. Because if you said my budget is, I don't know, 14,000 pounds and you went and found one for 14,000 and you looked at it and you thought, do you know what, it drives great. It's had all the crucial things done. There's nothing broken on it. I could drive home in it today. But it's all of those other variables come in and it creates noise and people get distracted and then end up doing nothing. And I can understand because it's not a small or um, insignificant amount of money. Uh, but from my point of view, when I bought mine, I had already seen on places like eBay where people were selling broken ones for the same price. And, and I thought, what's the worst that could happen? It will implode and I'll just stick it on eBay. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's very difficult though. It is very difficult for someone coming in at the moment, you know, if you, wanting a 911 because we keep saying, you know, you can't wait, right? I mean, you were very quick on yours. You got it at a good price. You mm. can't really wait. And I keep saying, you know, Australia, I did see one actually last week and it was in that metallic red color that you just spoke about in a 996 Carrera. And that's the cheapest I've seen. It had 250 or 280,000 kilometers. So it was pretty high mileage. And it was 49,000 Australian dollars. So that's about, you know, 30, wow. 30, 30, uh, what's that, 25,000 pounds? No, 28,000 pounds around about. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the huge cheapest. money. That's the cheapest. So that's what you're looking for in Australia. You know, you're getting 50. Now, what other 911s can you get around 50,000? Nothing. Nothing, mm. actually. You can't get anything. What other Porsches can you get around that price? Boxster. And even a good Boxster, you're looking at. You know, Boxsters range from 30 to 55, the 986. So, you know, that's the range you have, Australian dollars. So there's not a lot. I mean, at least in the UK and the US, you know, you can find these bargains. You know, you found your 996. James at Auto Amateur, uh, you know, he found that 996 project car. Um, yep. Other people I've spoken to, you know, Jack had a 996 as well. You know what I mean? And I think people like, you know, is it Friends Green Porsche? I always forget the name of them, Friends Greens or Greens Friends or whatever, that Porsche on YouTube yes. that, that's been mentioned. I think they do a great thing for 996s and 997s because they specialize in them, Ajmal. And they're always like, you know, mm. I've, wat I've been watching that guy's videos. I think his videos are good. And he seems to turn over the car so quickly. You know, and those sort of yes. those sort of things are good because it gets people into the 996 and 997, but it also pushes the price up. So it makes it harder for, for new people to come in. Um, and, you know, what happens, here's the question for you, what happens when there's no more cheap 996s? What are people going to buy? Um, this is the thing, you know, what are they going to buy? Um, it, de it depends because, yeah, exactly. It's the stepping into the, into the market because if the, as the 996 goes up, because it will then become that thing, almost um, a self-fulfilling uh, statement uttered by somebody like, I don't know, Jeremy Clarkson or somebody like that who said, oh, well, there's someone driving a, a Boxster or a Boxster S. It's somebody who can't afford a 911. It's somebody who's driving a Boxster. It's somebody who can't yeah. afford a Boxster S. Yeah. Um, but um, but if someone was saying, I really want a Porsche and a Boxster, what was available to them? I don't think there's anything wrong with owning a Boxster because I bet you they are immense fun to drive. Yeah, immense absolutely. fun with totally usable power on the road you know the two and a half liter 2.7 whatever it might be the 3.2 the boxster s they will have accessible usable power on no, the roads I, that you could properly enjoy every day and i think a boxster is a good you know and we're talking 986 boxsters here i'm talking you know older boxes 986 yeah. 987 so first generation i think they're good if you have a 911 and, you know, uh, it could be this week's owner stories, actually. I forget who's coming up next. It could be Eric, actually, coming up. He bought a 99, uh, He bought a 911, and then he literally bought a Boxster straight afterwards. And the Boxster is the one he's having fun with. He's modding a little bit because his other one has a warranty, and the Boxster doesn't have the same warranty. And he loves it. He said it's a great drive. It's a great, you know, completely different to the 911, but as much fun. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think if you have a 911, it, it probably works. I think if you want a 911 and you buy a Boxster, I think... I think due to public opinion, you're going to be upset. You know, I yeah, really do think you're going to be upset. Yeah. 
Yes, and it's again, it's that pecking order, isn't it? Because you haven't evolved to a Boxster. You've gone in at a Boxster when you really want the 911. Okay, but Stephen, who was on Owner's Stories a few weeks back, who's got the red 981 manual Boxster. Um, I don't know if you heard that one. That, I did, I did, That yeah. episode of the podcast was one of the, <laughs> and I think I mentioned this to Stephen, is one of the best episodes for downloads. So wow. that just shows you now, is it the red Boxster? You know, people like Boxsters, people like convertibles. So it, it, it's not like they're not, you know, Boxsters are popular. You know what I mean? I mean, we talk about Porsche people who say, you know, Porsche snobs and think that Boxsters aren't, you know, aren't a true Porsche, but it's a different Porsche, you know, it's not the same as a 911, but it doesn't mean it doesn't have, you know, great attributes, which it obviously does. Um, but yeah, so it, it's definitely popular. The, you know, people like it. People like the idea of a Boxster. And I think people like the idea of a Cabriolet and a convertible. Um, lots of people I've spoken to, Ajma, and you probably heard them, you know, have got 996 Cabriolets, you know, because the Cabriolet is a little bit cheaper. You know, they want the mm. drop top. That's what you want. You know, you're living in a good climate. You know, why not, you know, why not enjoy it and get one? Yeah, I, I agree completely. And you're, you're right, the Porsche snobs. Um, in a good way. Because I obviously, I, yeah, I know, I, I obviously have a, a problem with that as well because um, when I'm out and about in my very crusty 996, there are people who come and talk to me and go, oh, you really have to wash that. You really, really? have to do this. You really have to do that. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm always, no, no, I don't. I just need to drive it. I just, that's the, there's the one thing that I would change about my ownership about the 996. I wish I could drive it more. I wish I could just enjoy it more. Yeah. When I see your 996 images on Instagram, I want to like find your address and buy you one of those outdoor nine Porsche covers and send it to you so you can at least have a cover over the car. <laughs> so at least it's protected. But that would mean I'd have to wash it. Sap and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, and, and, and bird mess. <laughs> so I want to get into your car actually, but before I do that, I've just forgotten. I just want to do a shout out to a new Patreon member and it's actually John um, who's coming up uh, on an who I recorded on the weekend, I think it's in a month's time, he's coming up on Owner's Stories. Um, John joined uh, Porsche Good Exclusive. So thank you so much, John. John uh, reached out to me after Ajmal, after I said that I uh, we were up in the charts in Norway. I think we were in the top five in Norway at one point. And he said, well, I'm in Norway if you want to talk to a Porsche owner from Norway. <laughs> and he just happened to have, he happens to have a really cool car. He has a 996.2 GT3 in speed yellow. Um, and it's it's a really beautiful example. Like uh, he works for Meguiar's in Norway. I think I mentioned that to you that before. Yeah. And he really, you know, he likes the cleaning. He likes the detailing. He's a bit like me. He's not like you. Um, and um, <laughs> and it looks really, really good. And he just changed the wheels on his GT3 to uh, BBS wheels, which cost a fortune. Um, and it looks wow. really, really good. It looks really good. So that's coming up. So um, I just want to say thank you to John for joining our Porsche Good Exclusive because I forgot that at the beginning of the of the episode. So I want to get back onto the 912 actually, because, you know, I, I was saying to you before we started recording, you know, I get really upset when I look at Instagram sometimes because last weekend was obviously a sunny day in London um, and you're out in your 912. Mm -hmm. Nick at the Classic Series is yep. out in his car. Uh, <laughs> Jack, I think Jack at some point Lobster was posting pictures out in his car. PJ, who's coming up with the 356, was out in his car. Then I look at Australian people I know and they're all out driving their cars in Sydney summer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in COVID times, it's very depressing for me that I'm stuck here without a 911. Um, it doesn't help that your Mercedes broke down as well. And the Mercedes <laughs> broke down today as well. Um, but I, I want to get onto Nick's car because Nick has done some work for, on his car and he's done it at uh, Flat Six Jack as well. Um, yep. And he's sorted out, you know, the exhaust and, and the wheels and stuff. So what are you planning before the summer starts? What are you planning to do for your car? Because I know I did leave a, a comment in, in jest, of course, on your post the other day about, you know, you've got to catch up. So what are you... What are you planning to do? Uh, the number one thing I have to do is the stance. It just sits all wrong. And it's completely my fault because when I first got it, um, I don't know if I've put any photos of, on Instagram of it, but it, the, the wheels were really at the back, were really tucked into the arch. And the camber was in a way that it was, it, I felt like it was too low. I thought, oh, I've seen some on Instagram that are kind of the same height at the front of the back. I like the look of that. Uh, I'll go for that. So I, I said to Jack, "Can you do that?" And it just looks all wrong. So you like wrong. it? You like it sitting because the black one at the black one at Rint, the the 
65. It sits quite high because they've got a video on their channel about it. And I can see it at the back. It sits, I mean, I'm guessing that was the standard stance or the standard height. It sits quite high. I know Nick has mm -hmm. lowered his slightly. He said he wanted to lower it a bit. It looks slightly lowered. So you want it more stock height? Is that what you're looking for? Uh, a little bit more stock height, but I'd actually go with what Nick has done. I quite like what he's done because um, I think his wheels are, are, are wider. Mine would be tucked into the arch. So it would look different. I don't think it would look bad, but I think that's the thing I'd like to do before I do anything else, just to get it to look right and then go some wheel alignment and maybe, you know, look at changing the bolt pattern so I can put different wheels on it or just go out and spend a, an obscene amount of money on some steel wheels. Um, but I that. think that's, but isn't that the most important thing, Ajmal? I mean, isn't it the most important thing is to upgrade all your shocks, upgrade all the you know, the rubbers that have deteriorated, et cetera, and upgrade your wheels to the, you know, the good tires, the steel wheels and, and, and the exhaust. Isn't that the key things apart from the mechanical side of the engine, but isn't, isn't that the key things you would want to do? I mean, I think interior wise, it doesn't matter so much. It's more those things that are important at first, isn't it? They are. Um, but on mine, I've been really lucky because the suspension is pretty good. It rides the bumps really well. It doesn't rattle. Uh, I can't really see anything perished underneath. Uh, there were a couple of things with the brakes binding, but Jack fixed that. Um, and it's really, it, it is just a, a stance thing. It needs to be at the right height. You can get adjustable right. spring plates, but they, they cost a ridiculous amount of money. And I think all it does is it means you don't have to take them off and move them on the torsion bar, whatever it is. So uh, I think that I would like to do, number one thing. But doesn't it come to a point with you, um, and we're still talking about wanting a 911, you know, because some people will look at 912s because they can still find a 912, you know, a 65 or a 65 to 69 912 only costs, well, depends where you buy it from, correct? If you can, you can probably still find one yep. pretty cheap in the US if you have to do some work for it. But a 65 to 69 912 is a quarter of the price, probably more of a the same year in a 911. You know what I mean? Those 911s are very, very expensive. 65 to 69 911s are really, really expensive. So it's still a, yep. it's still an attractive option for people who want a 911. They might want to get into a 912, um, which is why I was asking you before, do you think people should go to the Classic first or would you recommend they go to a 996? And if they go to a 996, should they buy the cheapest one like you did or should they spend a little bit more and get something a little bit more sorted? Um. I think they should do more, a bit more due diligence than I did, um, which was literally I sorted by the cheapest one. I went, I'm going to go and buy that one. Um, but if you do the, so that everyone, everyone, even people who aren't really into Porsches, if you say to them, oh, you know, I've got a 996, they'll say, oh, I'm um, yeah, yeah. But if you think, well, 151,000 miles and the IMS hasn't gone, it's been changed once, but it hasn't gone. And then you think, well, it's only a problem up to a certain point because you don't use it. And it's if you use it regularly, then it's unlikely to be a problem. But if you spend a little bit more and say, well, I'm going to get one that's a little bit more sorted, does the anxiety of the IMS go away? I don't, I don't think it does. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It becomes almost a bigger deal because you've spent more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think for me, I'm, I'm always at the one take the take the the shortest leap to 911 ownership, so you can tick that box. So people who are listening, they want a 911. You still think you know go for the cheapest one, but do a few more checks. Maybe do a little a few more checks than what you did. Get it checked over a little yes. bit more. Don't just buy it off the bat. Even though there's you know it's very competitive out there, and you will miss out on things if you wait too long. Um, but you have to be sure. You have to be confident that you're happy with what you're purchasing. Um, because there are a lot of bad cars out there. There's still a lot of bad cars out there. There are. There's some that are overpriced. So you might look at something and think, well, it's advertised for £14,000, for example, and you might think, oh, it's not really worth that much, but it ticks the boxes that I need. It's got the right service. It's not been in a wreck. It's, um, and it's in, a, in decent shape uh, and drives great. When you go and see the, those, a lot of the times they've been advertised for quite a while. You need to check that. And... What I would do is I would make what an offer that reflects what it might be worth to me. And if you say, well, actually, to me, it's worth about 12 or 11 and a half, there's nothing wrong with making a cheeky offer. And yeah. if you, and, and someone might turn around and say, well, actually, I was waiting for somebody to offer me that. 
and you might get something that's good value for money rather than paying a little bit over the top because you're right there are bad cars they're priced quite high and those are the ones probably putting a lot of people off especially at that entry point okay so you have thirty thousand pounds you know you're looking online like you did a 912 comes up and then a 996 comes up for ten thousand which one do you buy my budget thirty thousand pounds. Do I buy? Do I buy the? Do I buy the nine nine six for say ten thousand pounds that I know I'm going to have to put money into, or do I buy the classic, which I know is going to appreciate probably quicker? And in the long term, like even your car, you say you don't want to spend the money on these things, but you know that if you sold your car today, you would get more than thirty thousand pounds for it, because the prices yes. of nine nine six, uh, prices of nine twelve, sorry, have gone up quite a lot, and even you know, yours in original sort of state that it is. And, and, you know, it's it's mechanically you drive it, it works, there's nothing wrong with it. You know that you probably, you know, your value has gone up quite a lot. Probably more than the 996 actually, I um, would say. Or the, possibly, I don't know. But you paid very low for the 996, so it's a bit hard, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I, I think that's probably it because I paid um, abnormally low price for the 996. So it... You know, around about then they were going for nine and a half to ten thousand. So from that point, it's gone up a little bit. On the nine twelve, they they're just on an upward trajectory. So I would say it's gone up by more. Uh, but if I've got thirty thousand pounds, and see, I'm not probably your average person who's looking <laughs> for that kind of car. Okay. So I would always go. <laughs> I would always go for the one that I like the look of and I think I would enjoy okay. driving more. Okay. Here's another scenario actually. And it's a scenario, you know, we, everyone that I talk to, it's like, you know, I've just bought my new GT3. I've just bought my 996 GT3. I've just bought my 996 Carrera. I bought my 997 and I'm still looking. As soon as I get it, I'm in the driveway. I'm, I'm back online and I'm looking for another Porsche, right? I'm looking for something else. And I guess the thought for you has crossed your mind that you could, theoretically, you could sell your 996 and the 912 you have now the extra money you've made on the 996, the extra money on the 912, and buy another 912 that, say, is a little bit more sorted. Is that something you would consider? Uh, probably not, no. No? Because there's, no, there's, uh, and, not and there's val- a, no value in that? Uh, there's, there's no value to me other than monetary value. And, and remember, we, I think we've probably talked about this before. There's a, there's a thing about what looks good on paper and what feels good to drive. Um, whereas when I, when I drive my 912, I love the fact that I can thrash it and I can uh, leave it wherever I want to and uh, not worry about it getting scratched. And it's not a thing that I bought as an investment. I bought it because I'm, well, in the back of my mind, of course, it was there that it's not going to lose money. Yeah. But it wasn't a thing that I thought it needs to be treasured because it's going to be a big nest egg in the future. It was more, I, I bought it because I love driving it. I love driving it. And that's a good way to look at it. You know what I mean? And I kind of knew you were going to answer it that way because I know you've said that once before. And I think that's how people have to look at it. You want a 911, you want something, buy the car that you actually want. You know what I mean? Uh, if you want a 911, don't buy a Boxster. If you want a 911, don't buy a Cayman. Try and get the 911. Try and get one at the price that you can afford. You know, you always almost want to say wait or whatever, but you can't really wait too long because Porsche prices yep. do jump up very, very quickly, as we all know. Um, but, you know, you should always buy, like what you said, it's a passion. Buy what you want and that you're going to enjoy driving. Don't just buy it thinking, well, I'm going to buy this model because this model is going to go up more than the other model. Um, that's not the way yes. to do it because then you'll just be disappointed. You know, you really will be disappointed. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, struck me was I did see a video by uh, the 911 guy, Lee Sibley, on yes. YouTube where he was talking about Rensport. Um, and he drove the Jeep New GT3. And it was, he was trying to demonstrate, oh, look how, how much power it has. And he just couldn't because he was in behind a, a classic 911. And he said, I can't get enough distance for me to use the power. And I remember thinking that if I had had, in living in the UK, I suppose it's different for Steve, he lives in in, uh, Sydney and the roads are different. But here, if I had a GT3 or I had um, a turbo, then would I be able to enjoy and access the power in the same way that I can on my 912 or my 996 or my MGB? Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Um, 
because with uh, when I drive my wife's Golf R, which is yeah. insanely fast and it's yeah. a hatchback. Um, I, I've said this before. I, I can't look at the speedo because the horizon's coming at me too fast. And and the roads are quite narrow. Yeah, so, and you think of a 911 Turbo S, double the power almost, right? Like probably twice as quick as the R. Yes. Yeah, and you think how? Yeah, and and it's uh, and with it being you know rear wheel drive, the weight being at the back, and, and you know you've spoken before about the weight shifting when you're driving a 911. Um, and if you're not aware of that and you know don't know how to manage it, it's very unforgiving. Um, if you're not an amazing driver. So I think those are really important things to bear in mind, which is why I always say, you know, go and drive one, which is sort of counter to everything I've ever done. But I would say go and drive one and find the one that you feel really passionate about driving. You think, yes, I'll enjoy this every single day. It it comes back to experience. And I had a really good conversation on the weekend with um, PJ, uh, who's coming up on the owner stories, a guy with the 356A from the UK. Um, and I know PJ listens to the podcast and he, his story is great because his parents had, you know, expensive cars when he was growing up, you know, they were reasonably well off and he had expensive cars and he didn't want that sort of car when he grew up. So he bought a lot of, he's had owned a lot of Volkswagens, Beatles, buses, you know, all the really cool ones. And now he's got this 356A, which is just his dream car. It's a perfect car, but that's the sort of car he wanted. He wanted a car with character. He wanted a car mm. with patina. You know what I mean? Because it's about the experience, you know. And we all know the power of a 356 and the power of a 912. They're yep. not they're not 0 to 100 or 0 to 60 cars. They're, they're experienced cars. They're, you know, going through the mm. gears. They're enjoying that, like what you said. And in places like the UK and also Australia as well, I think you can really, you know, obviously not on the main freeways and expressways, but, you know, on the roads around in Australia and the UK, you can really enjoy cars like this. And I think that's really important. It is, mm. you know, and I keep saying it. You know, Steve says, get a GT3 first, get a GT3 first. But I really want, I still want the 912. Like I started straying uh, Ajmal and looking at 912Es. And then I thought, no, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want, a, I don't want a 912E. You know what I mean? I still want, I still want a 912. I do really like 911 SCs. I do like them. And I think it's because James in, um, in Melbourne has just got another one. He's got a new, a, a better red one. He bought one and now he's bought a, another red one. So I'm going to get him back on the podcast and chat about SCs because I'm interested to know more about the SC, it's a very, I think it's a really good uh, model of the 911. And, you know, you just want that experience. And I think that's what's great about you. You know, when you see you when you're in that 912 and you're driving it in your videos, it is about that experience and you can see you're enjoying it. You know what I mean? It's not perfect. The car's not perfect, yeah, but it doesn't then, have to be perfect. We uh, keep coming back to that. It doesn't have to be perfect. Exactly. And it's the, I think I spoke about it on a video before, but it's, um, I like it. I like to be, have to think about what I'm doing because then you're enjoying it. I, you know, in, in our golf, I'm, it's autopilot. Everything's on autopilot. Yeah. Whereas in the 996, in the 912, I think about everything I'm doing. And, and the car is quite unforgiving. If you don't press the clutch enough, enough, uh, in enough, it'll crunch the gears it, uh, with the with the dog leg first gear. You know, if you're not paying attention, you'll be in, in third or something like that. Um, yeah. Second yeah. trying to pull off or, or you know, God forbid you're in reverse trying to move forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I like that side of it. And I like the fact, I like the noise. I like the smell. I like all of those things, the drama of a drive. It's so different. Yep. And I think, you know, I, I guess the, the key message, I'm going to say the key message, that's a really weird thing to say, but the key mm -hmm. message of the, of the whole thing is you, you want a 911, you know, people who doesn't, don't have one, you want a 911, then you buy the one that you really want because it is about that experience. That's the whole thing about Porsche ownership. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, budget comes into it. It's budget and, and what you want, but you should really buy what you want because that's what you're going to truly enjoy. Don't just chase the dollars and think you're going to get something that's, you know, that's going to be, you know, double the value in a couple of years' time because it may not happen, you know. Um, I always thought the 997 may go up more than what it has. It hasn't, you know, and I really do think that the 996, I really, really do think the 996 may overtake the 997 temporarily like the 964 did with the 993. Obviously, the 993 now is caught up. 993 prices in mm. Australia have, you know, are about the same level. But there was a period there where they were a lot, uh, a lot cheaper, a lot cheaper. Hey, how's the... Um, mm. How's your new um, your new Porsche, the white one you bought, Lego? Uh, have you I, done I it? Put it together made, yet? I haven't. No, it's still in the box. 
Oh, there it is. Um, Man, it's, it's so big, isn't uh, it? Holy moly! Yeah, okay. it is. All right, um, I cannot buy that in London. I cannot buy that in London because I'll have to carry it back to Australia with me. So I'm gonna have to buy it in Australia. It's way too big. Well, the thing is, you remember you were talking to Steve about this about how you have to be a VIP with Lego to get yeah. one. I still couldn't buy it, by the way. I still couldn't yeah, buy it. Yeah, but do you know, do you know what it means not... to become a VIP? <laughs> what? Hmm? You go in. And you create yourself a, a username and a password so you can order things. And there's a tick box that says, do you want to be a VIP? And oh, you really? just go, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you didn't tell that me that. Was <laughs> that was just literally... So, just so the listeners know, you know, Ajmal sends me the thing saying he's ordered it. I'm trying to order and it says not available. And I knew it was a VIP launch because that was with the press release I read ages ago from Bricks and whatever, the Lego fan site or whatever it was. Um, and I still couldn't buy it. But you didn't tell me you just had to go on and tick VIP. I, I, I didn't want to make you feel bad. <laughs> I know there's a, there's a guy on Australia. There's a guy in Australia that I follow um, in northern, uh, north coast of Australia who's got a really good Porsche collection. Um, he's bought one. He just bought two because he said he couldn't decide which way to make it, so he bought two of them so he can have one as a Targa and one as the... One as a Targa. I think a few people would do that, actually. It sounds very excessive I, when you talk about it, you know, but I'm sure a lot I've of people never would bought. I've never bought one of these before. Um, and I know Steve's got a GT3, hasn't he? Yeah, he got the GT3 RS one and built that. He had it for years and then he built it only recently. Yeah, I think that'll be me um, because, because you know I've got my little toy uh, 912. Oh, really? Which, Which one? I think I sent you a... Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ajmal's showing me his black. Oh, it's a black one too. It's that one, yeah. Looks black, good in black. black interior as Looks well. Looks good in black. It does Steel look good wheels. in black. Yeah, steel wheels are good. You have to get the steel wheels for your 912, honestly. You have to invest in those. I do, I do. What did you think of um, those wheels, those image wheels, the custom-made wheels? I that think I, they're quite I, good. I, you. I think they're quite good. What brand is that, actually? Because I saw an, an advertisement came up on Instagram yesterday saying, you know, one of these things is an ad and it was the wheels. But I think they're Group 4 wheels. Is it Group 4, the company? Um, no, it's called, they're called Image Wheels. Oh, okay. It's a British company. Um, and they're pretty much made to order. They look good. They look good. Because um, I thought they had a, a kind of an old Alfa Romeo Jaguar look about them. Uh, I prefer the Alfa Romeo side of it. But um, but I thought about you can't you can't get an old pair though, right? You can't get an old pair. No, no, yeah, uh, I can. Um, I feel uncomfortable because they will. So those made to order wheels probably cost about four hundred and fifty pounds each. And then you've got to get tires. Yeah, it's, a, it's uh, expensive. Whereas, whereas the steel wheels, um, I could probably buy a really crusty um, 924 or a 944 spare wheel, which is exactly the same All right. as yeah. a steel wheel. So, so that's about £130 each okay. on yeah. eBay. Well, if you need to get a wheel refurbished in the UK, and to the listeners, if you're listening in the UK and if people don't know about it, um, XL wheels, Chris had XL wheels, and he did my wheels in the UK. I actually got my wheels done in the UK and carried them back in my luggage back to Australia. Um, so he... You're, you're 997. You're 997 wheels. You're, <laughs> yeah, you don't know that story? <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Okay. Really? Spending a lot of time in London, as you know, and... I wanted the lobster claw wheels and I couldn't find them in Australia. I couldn't find them at a good price. And then I found Crusad XL wheels through um, Piston Heads or Rainlist or something. So one, of the, one of the forums in UK actually. Um, and then I emailed him and I said, look, I'm after a pair of lobster claw wheels. Do you have them? He said, yes. And then he sent me images and they were like immaculate. And I said, okay, I want to do a custom paint job on them, which I didn't have to do anything to them because they were like brand new wheels. <laughs> and honestly, at the time he charged me he charged me very, very little for the four wheels. Like for four wheels, they were under 500 pounds. So it was really, really wow. cheap. Um, and then I got the refurbishment done. But he does all types of wheels. He, he refurbishes uh, Fuchs wheels. He refurbishes all these wheels. He's actually really, really, really good. You could get them chromed. Mm -hmm. you, could get, you could get a pair of wheels and get them really chromed. Yeah, I think chrome's too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much? I'm, uh, I do... I do want I do want a decal though on the side. Yeah. I do want a, a white circle on the side. Go to and maybe one off offset on the back. Go to I, I say ding dong and get the um you know the Pegasus. 
I say ding dong, you get some Pegasus stickers for the side. That's true. I did. I have seen that. Yeah, uh, he's got great ones. I, I, yeah, I, th- I thought about that. I don't know yet. I need the decal on. I need some fog lights. Yep. Um, and obviously the stands right. And then I do want a different exhaust. I do want it to sound different. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't sound great at the moment. Nick put the Danks exhaust on, right? I think. Yep, he did. That's a great exhaust. That uh, sounded really good. Yep. Uh, I got a call off Jack, who was tell- <laughs> telling me that it sounded really good. Yeah, you should fit that one. Um, you should get the. You should get the one. I mean, you don't want dual pipes, so you just want like the single pipe, or you like the pipes. Uh, no, I'd, I'd be all right. I'd be all right with the dual pipes. Uh, the only thing is, obviously, you've got that little uh, cutout for where yes. um, the single pipe was, but I don't think that matters. Yeah. Um, but I, I would like the dance one, but it's it's something like eight or nine hundred pounds. It sounds good, though. Um, it really does is, sound good. It does sound good, and it would make a really big difference. So exhaust stance sorted. I should really sort out some seat belts. Yes. Uh, because I, I I did do 120 kilometers an hour on Sunday. Yeah, with no seatbelts. You're a brave man. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Oh, oh! I meant to say, so, I meant to yes. say something right at the top. Obviously, first, congratulations to Steve. Uh, welcome to the Two Daughters Club, because I have two daughters. Oh, I thought um, you only had one daughter. I see no, her. No, I see two. her on Instagram in the baby cam. So I thought that was your one daughter. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> the little one. Uh, so there's a six-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, but um, what I was going to say up front was. Um, I thought you weren't congratulating Steve because he snubbed you on Instagram. Uh, no, I, I, I still bear a grudge of that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, what I wanted to say was because Steve normally swears right at the beginning, and I wanted to say fuck shit bollocks right at the top. Because now I'm going to get flagged because, by Apple. You watch. <laughs> because <sighs> Steve always say he said worse stuff. I think he said motherfucker once. He does. Uh, but, <laughs> You're going to get me. But he normally swears right at the top. And I thought, I'll get that in. I'll cover for Steve. I'll stand in for him on that. But I completely forgot. And I've now just said it at the end. Yeah. Steve, if you're listening, not... <laughs> see what's happened. You've started something really bad here. Now I'm going to get flagged by Apple. I'm going to have to say it's rated R censorship. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, thanks, Ajmal. I think we hit the hour. I think we're, I think, you know, I know you've got things to do. I know it's a, a weeknight. You've got wine to drink. You've got food to eat. <laughs> yes, I, I, I have started doing that on my Instagram mostly <laughs> because it's, there's not a lot else to do. <laughs> I like it when there's like one bottle becomes two bottles becomes three bottles. Oh yeah. That's only from <laughs> Tuesday. Monday, Mondays, I wouldn't do that, but, uh, Tuesday's the new Friday. All right. Hey, um, thanks for coming on today. It's been great. Um, I really it appreciate it. It was, it was good not having to talk to myself like last week. Last week was I thought it was a bit odd, but I had I have to say I had so many good messages last week from people saying you know they still enjoyed it even though I was talking solo. But everyone misses Steve. Steve always thinks that you know he's not that important, but everyone misses Steve. I keep telling him he he is important. Um, but I really appreciate you stepping in, and it was really easy because you know you and I talk all the time, and it's it's just good to have a chat. So thanks thanks so much for coming on, mate. No, I really, really enjoyed it. I've, I've been excited about coming on for a uh, for a few days now, thinking about it. And um, yeah, and hurry back, Steve. Obviously, we do miss you. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's, yeah, got his, he's got his hands news. full. He's got his hands full. Yeah, now. just uh, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't wait to get back. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we go? Uh, no, that's it. Uh, the only other thing uh, I was going to say was. Um, uh, to everybody listening, uh, and on the title of this uh, podcast, yep, less procrastination. Don't create noise around what you're trying to do. Keep your eye on what you're trying to do. And do you know what? There's a Porsche out there for everybody, uh, and there's a 911 out there for everybody. Yeah, and to add to that, it is like I keep saying, it's about budget, but it's also buying the one you want. You know, you do have to buy the one you want. You know what I mean? And Ajmal's point of that are pretty, you know. And he's 912, he doesn't want another one, that's the one he wanted, he's got the one he wanted, you know what I mean? And it fits, fitted your budget, it was still not as expensive as some of them, you know, but you still got a 912, yep. you know what I mean? You still, and I think you bought a good a good car for the money, I still think it's a good car for the money, because um, I know what the prices are, and, and you know, it's not easy to find one at 30,000, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and one, one of the things that I, I'm very guilty of when it comes to buying something small, so it's like buying a pair of shoes, I know I'm going to wear them every day. They have to be really comfortable. I'll go to the shop three times when yep. they're allowed uh, and try them on. I think, oh, is that right? But when it comes to uh, a bigger purchase that I think there's a chance I might talk myself out of this, 
I kind of almost close my eyes and just leap in. Uh, probably not yeah. the best advice to everybody no. out there. See, but it's it's for me it works. <laughs> see, my wife knows this, and people that know me very well know this. See, the thing is, I always look like I buy things spur of the moment, like watches cars and i just do it quickly and like my family like oh i bought a 911 oh i bought a watch or whatever the thing is <laughs> now being on this podcast and doing this you know for the public so to speak everyone knows that i take a long time to get there and then it looks like i've made a quick decision but i actually haven't so you know my secret is out my secret is out well that was that was your first message to me, wasn't it? It's yeah. like, what's this? And then one video you've said you you want to get a 912. And on the next one, you've said, I've got one. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, no, it was <laughs> like, what? This, 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 this year, we have to get you in a 912, whether it's test driving yeah. or something. When you come to London, lockdown will be eased. We'll sort that out. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully back in London at Easter. So that'll be good. All right, mate. Thank you yep. so much. No, thank you. That was brilliant. All right. So everyone that's listening, if you don't, know who Ajmal is and you don't know about Flat Cap Driver, check out his Instagram, Flat Cap Driver, and check out his YouTube of the same. Follow, subscribe, thumbs up, all that stuff that you do when you go to those sites and, and help support him because um, he's got some great stories over there talking about his 996, the cheapest 996 in the UK, I think it was, wasn't it? Almost the cheapest one. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and his uh, 912 in blue, which is really, really cool. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening and bye for now.